Welcome back to another episode of Meredith with a Y. I'm your host, Meredith Willits, with my almost like, I mean, we're like almost co-hosts at this point. Like I'm here for this. My co-host-ish, if she'll have me, Allison McGuire. And today we're going to actually tap back into what we talked about last week, which is gender roles in parenting, gender roles, and how they're morphing and changing and what that means and what it looks like in families. So stay with us. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Thank you for having me, Allison McGuire. <laughs> I accept your invitation. <laughs> I'm like, this, you know, this is a sidebar from our topic today, but like, literally, I'm like, do I change the name of the podcast? Does she really want to do this? Does she want to be involved in this? Do we like, do we start a whole new podcast? Because I don't know if I can go back to just doing it by myself. Like, you kind of you kind of have sucked me into a situation where I'm not sure I want to go back to the old way. And so yeah, so I appreciate you so much doing this with me. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, me too. I love it. I was actually just talking to my friend Allie this morning on the phone. I was like, she's like, what are you doing today? I was like, oh, you know, recording with Meredith. She's like, oh, you're like doing it now. Like you guys are doing it together now, like permanently. I was like, well, I don't know, I, you know, who knows? But yeah, it's fun. We love it. So it is fun. It is fun. It's, uh, it's almost like girl talk where we just kind of like focus a little bit more, you know what I mean? Instead of talking trash about our spouses or whatever. We kind of get to talk about topics that we're passionate about and you and I are very much in line with like spirituality and like just really focusing in on topics and nuances. So I think this has been, for me anyways, it's been super fun and I like the fact that I'm able to kind of check into that other part of my brain because when I'm doing this by myself, I wholly have to keep the podcast going. I wholly have to stay on topic, which is super, what is it, left brain, right? It's super the logical, it's the focused part of your brain. But when I'm doing it with you, I'm able to tap into that right part of imagination brain where I can like release the reins of making sure that I'm not jumping from topic to topic, which I probably sometimes do anyways. But it's nice to have someone to kind of keep me on the road, so to speak. And I'm excited to talk about this again today. Unfortunately, and we both said it last week, after we hit stop recording, we ended up having like another 20 minute conversation. And Allison's like, we should have not hit stop recording. (laughs) I know because it was good stuff. Yeah, we just went off. We were like, and this, and that, and this. So, So we'll get back into that today. And we're seeing so much like in society, and I saw this great video the other day, you know, like this, there's this huge topic right now of like Target and their LGBTQ plus clothing line or whatever. I haven't even been to Target and I can't tell you how long, but not because I'm boycotting, it's because I don't shop. And so there's a lot of people like up in arms and this video was so fantastic because the woman was showing the clothes back in the 80s that girls and boys and men wore, you know, like circa um, Miami Vice, where the boys wore nothing but light turquoise and peach and pink and white. 
and um you know, yeah and and it was like it, it was very in line with what they're selling quote at target as their lgbtq plus clothing line and she was just like yeah look at all these people we were indoctrinating back in the 80s and it's ridiculously true. I mean, men have been wearing skirts for years, wigs for years, makeup for years, be it to whiten their face as a judge or actors and actresses. Like, I think that that the gender roles are more fluid than we would like to believe. And I think the focus of gender, quote, roles as being norms of society and veering from them as being a negative or against family values is actually a concept that has been born that didn't exist necessarily in the past. I mean, if you look at the animal kingdom, like there's roles of fluidity across species. If you look at our past and our, you know, Pink originally was a boy color, not until the recent pink has become a girl color. And so I think when we look at gender roles and the way that they play out in families and children and in fashion and all of these different things, I I kind of feel like we've actually jumped into a box and now we're trying to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like we're trying to get out of the box. And I was watching something the other day where women used to work and women did all of the stuff in world war ii they worked in the factories they they were building tanks and then they kind of switched it over to the beaver cleaver you know where the woman wears the apron and meets her husband at the door with a drink and the kids and she puts on her face of makeup before her husband comes home like it almost is like women were part of the process And then women were the process when men went to war. And then it was like, whoa, 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 stop the clock. Women are getting way too independent and too much power. So we're going to put them back in the kitchen. We're going to tell them that they're hysterical, that they need to be on quaaludes, you know, like the whole thing. We're going to put them back in the kitchen and tell them that being a demure housewife is where it's at and to take care of the kids in the home. So we're going to revert to that, which I can't even say the word revert. We're going to invent that role. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. We're going to invent the role of the woman in the home. Mm-hmm. Maybe revert back to antebellum times and like European times where a woman wore the corset and all that stuff. But even then she wasn't like cooking and cleaning in the house. She had servants. So like we're kind of inventing these roles and now we're trying to uninvent the roles. And we think that we're like doing something, but are we? Are we just undoing something that was invented based on trying to keep women out of power. I think that when you start to really unpack it, you start to live it. Like you've been kind of, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, you've been kind of living multiple roles. You get to try on these roles. You you get to see what they feel like. It's very different than maybe the media would portray, right? Because I think what we're talking about when we're saying like, you know, what's been invented, it's like this persona or this box that's been like created, made, painted that we all look at and we're like, okay, this is what it means to be a, this kind of person. And this is what it means to be a man. This is what it means to be a woman. This is what it means to be anything, right? Like we have all these labels, which 
our human brains do really well with labels. It like mm. helps us identify and quantify things. It helps us easily say, this means that, this has that nuance. It's like a quick hit. And then I think it's so easy to get so caught in. And I really do think like when I see people making large displays out of being a man or a woman and and kind of like going against that grain. I think to myself sometimes, if we didn't have these boxes that were so tightly bound, would we feel the need? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that. I'm just saying like, it's almost like a teenager that rebels because they have such a restrictive parent. 1000. Like if we just said like, it's okay for anyone to like anything. It's okay for you to to like blur the lines. Would we feel such a need to be so... To push against. um, Yeah, like make such a production out of things or just judge everything so much. And, you know, it's almost like how in Europe where it's normal to have a little bit of a glass of wine with dinner when you're a kid. Yeah. Right? Like it's totally normal. They don't have the kind of alcoholism and the drinking problems that we do because we've made it such a thing. Yeah. So it's that same kind of concept. I feel like when you, you know, and, and I've lived it, I'm sure you have, you see the box, you step out of the box and you feel like by stepping out of that box, you are being, you are being rebellious or there's something wrong with you. Well, if you look to Christianity, which is probably where most of these concepts and rules come from, because if you look at like a fundamentalist, so like I did a stint as a fundamentalist Baptist for about five minutes based on this controlling relationship that I was in. I was introduced by way of this abusive man to fundamentalist Christian values, which women wear skirts, women grow their hair long, women are, you know, take care of the kids. And if you do anything against those values, and there's a litany of them, you are literally going against God. Like a woman's hair is her glory. All these things are steeped in traditional Christian fundamentalist values that the opposite of those are anti-God. Right. So if you think about when we're looking at women working outside of the home, women wearing pants, men wearing skirts, whatever it is, right, gender fluidity, what we're really saying is you are doing something that is out of line with religious law. Like, where else is this coming from? This isn't coming from like the indigenous because all like most natives either wore a loincloth, which would be considered like not enough clothes or a skirt, you know, like a, some sort of tie wrap around, like, where do these things come from? You know, like, and if you go to India, it's an honor to shave your head in honor of the person in your family that's died. Right. But here it's like, if a woman were to shave her head, she's going against God. So all of these things that we're talking about basically are make-believe. Let's be clear. Any sort of human being. Right. Like this is not like this is a human made control spin on things. Right. And if you right. And if you go against them, you are unsavory. You are an unsavory woman. You're an unsavory man. And, you know, will be shunned accordingly. I was thinking about like the trans ban that they're doing in Florida and they're trying to get it to be done in Texas now in some weird way. And I was like, what if everyone 
who was, you know, against these sorts of laws. Like, what if all men decided for one month to wear a dress to work? All men and all women decided to wear a suit and tie. Think of that kind of energy of that, first of all, that revolt, right? That like, I'm going to take a stand and dress like a man. I'm going to dress like a woman, whatever that means. Are we, are they going to arrest all of them? Like, think about the idea that if you put paint on your face, like that is, could be considered against the law. Like it's, it's, it's interesting. It's so stupid. It's just, it's unbelievable how stupid it is. It, yeah. it makes no sense. But if everyone did it, if everyone was like, we're not doing this, you know, like, what are they going to say? Like, women can't work. You need to take care of your kids. Like, this is that they're coming for me, for you. Like, even though you you fall into a certain gender role, do you? You work outside of the home. Do you? Yeah. Well, you know? I think, like, to and to bring it back to, like, a personal level, too, you know, like, having with your experience that you've recently have, like, right right now you're back you're back in your housewife role right so to speak if we were to call it something and you just came from what would be considered a much more masculine role and you have been kind of toggling back and forth between those things like what would you say on like a on a personal level having experienced those two pieces like what do you feel like you've been like what glimmers have you gotten from that? Like what, what do you feel like you've learned? Like, what do you feel like, how's it expanded you? I'd be curious to know that because I think it's really, and the reason I'm kind of like wrapping it back to that is because I think it's really easy to sit here and talk about like society as a whole or about other people and other people's experiences. And then when you experience something for yourself, it is a completely different ball game from the sense of understand, like fully understanding something, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Well, I find some of the things that are very interesting about being in that very masculine role at the island. So I'm in charge of in any one day between two, three, six guys. And there's only me as the only female at the, you know, at our house. And I'm directing traffic. I'm focusing attention to what's being done next. I'm financing all of it, all the labor, all the purchase of materials. You know, the only thing that I'm not is kind of the know-how. Like I, I know what I know and I do do what I know how to do, but. And you're doing physical labor. And physical labor and mental labor and, you know, hauling and stuff. When I'm in that role as a boss and in a masculine role of construction, if you will, I am very much in the on the inside of male jokes, kind of tomfoolery, if you want to call it that. I'm looked at like one of the guys. I don't do my hair. I literally wake up however it is, throw it in like a ponytail, like don't even brush it you know, throw on some deodorant and brush my teeth and I'm out the door. Like I don't sexualize myself when I'm walking into this realm of men that I'm seeing as being partners. Mm. You know what I mean? I I don't find my, I find myself kind of like, well, they're not wearing makeup. They're not doing their hair. They're just throwing on a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and showing up. And like, I kind of fall into that as well. Like, it's interesting because I'll like tell him like, hey, coffee's on in the morning. If you get here early, come over and have coffee and we'll just like sit around and talk about 
all sorts of different topics. And I think the lines get really interestingly blurred, especially being out in nature, right? There's no social norms to remind us, um, like you should be wearing heels today. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like when you walk into an office building, there's protocol, okay? When you are in nature, all protocol is off the table. Everyone's hands get dirty. Everyone jumps in and helps. Everyone is dressing for the temperature, the sun, the rain, whatever. And so I'm finding it interesting now that I'm talking about it, that certain norms are created by way of setting. And when we remove that setting, then kind of all of that is off the table. You know what I mean? Like appropriateness to where to school, appropriateness to where to work, appropriateness to where to church is completely removed in the setting that I am in because there's nothing but nature. Yeah. It's like a construct that's placed upon versus the construct that you're in, I guess you could say, has been removed, right? So there's fluidity in where you are and it's just, there's no quote unquote rules for that. So you get to make your own rules. Yeah, there's no rules. There's no expectation. You know, there's no like, oh, well, you didn't dress up today. It's like, no shit. I'm outside in the yard digging in mud. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, but like, if you think about it, the society has set up like a judge wears whatever the black cloak is, whatever, right? And you dress for that venue and a prisoner wears an orange jumpsuit and a lawyer wears a suit. So if you go outside of those boundaries of what is the norm and what is expected, my brain explodes. Mm -hmm. But when you go back to nature and you're like camping in the wild or going for a walk, all those rules are removed. So like if the rules can be removed, and I talk about this in other forms, if the rules can be removed then that means they are a lie. That means they are made up. That means that they come from society, which means they are not real. They hold no weight. And we have made them to create supremacy. We've made them to create a form around a person to make us comfortable. But none of it is real. Because if you can remove it and it still is good, then it's not real. Mm, That's a good one. That's so good. I can relate to that in the sense of even dressing for work because I am in a leadership role in my company and the expectation I had of myself for a long time was that I needed to be essentially like a man Mm -hmm. in the way that I showed up, you know, because that's what my societal programming had taught me like, you know, you want to go be the boss, you you know, you're an owner, you want to go show up as an owner, well, you wear pants and don't be overly feminine. Don't wear sparkles. Don't wear this, you know, the big flowy skirt, show up and be serious and, you know, leave your emotions behind all of those pieces that I would say, or what I thought that I should be like. And within the past few years, I have dismantled that to a large degree in the sense that I feel much more confident showing up in what I feel confident in versus what that external setting that's placed on me maybe expects. Now, am I, you know, going to 
dye my hair like rainbow colored and do watch some, what you put out like, there hit my something wild <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> I will I mean that's you know that's not necessarily what I think like I would even want personally but like if if I could show up that way like I think my my point in this goofy rant is just to basically say like I agree with you the rules are what we decide they are so rather than painting yourself into this corner painting yourself into this box like step back and really think about it like what would you want to do if that box didn't exist and be really honest with yourself. I think like, that's what I, that's what I've been trying to challenge myself with. It's like, what do I feel like I have to do? Like you talk about this a lot, feeling like what you have to do versus like doing things with gladness of heart. Like, okay, I have to do this. So I'm going to do this and ugh, right. And that feels sticky and feels shitty versus I get to do this. And this is where I get to be. And this is how I get to show up. What do I really want that to look like? And just playing with that little nuance has been, I have to tell you, like life-changing for me. I've had such a freedom of mind that I have not had before just in those, in that small nuance of like really recognizing the have to versus the, I get to, or I get to, you know, to to show up. Yeah. Just tweaking it. I'm not going to do, yeah, I'm not going to do these dishes right now because I don't want to. And so I'm going to wait until I'm ready to do them. Do you have to do your dishes in life? Yeah. Because otherwise they're going to overflow and you're going to run out of shit to, you know, put your food on, but just kind of like give yourself space to do it because you want to. And then, I mean, look at the millennials right now. I think we're still in like the millennial age, right? Of 25s. So they kind of, they kind of walked away from suit, tie, wingtip shoes, sensible, you know, masculine black socks, right? And now they wear the Cole Haan, white bottom, gym shoe-esque, no sock, short pant, tight suits. They look like they're right out of like Paris, right? Or like New York City, you know? And it's super like, instead of the oversized suit, black pinstripe, you know? And so they have redefined this is what I'm comfortable in. This is what I want to wear to work to, you know, where to work. I have to walk from the train a mile to my office. And this makes sense to me. And then guess who's now wearing the Cole Haan white bottom sensible, quote unquote, gym shoe dress shoes is the 50 year olds. Yeah. Right. I mean, I still think. Blowing that, up. Yeah. And so it's like, my husband's never going to, you know, not wear socks just because, and he'll probably still, but he's now wearing the like almost like an ass leisurely um like dress pant like that different fabric material yeah like the you know yeah like the lululemon kind of pants as long as it's in blue or black you know you can't really tell that it's that athletic uh, fabric but if we took jim and put him back 20 years he would be inappropriately dressed why do you have white bottoms so that's the thing all of this fluidity proves that these are choices and decisions and labels and boxes that we are deciding are appropriate 
or inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And what they're trying to do right now, it feels to me, is put people back inside the box that is in line with rules and regulations of normalcy, of white supremacy, and Christian ideologies. Or you could even say, you know, uh, religious- Yeah, religious. I think it's just control in general. Yeah, I mean, like, you have to look and be like, why does it matter? Why does anything that I'm doing make you uncomfortable? And I remember, like, when I got my mohawk, the fear, the overwhelming fear to show up anywhere where people had not seen me yet of how far outside of the box I had jumped, Mm. how far outside of it is social norm for a, you know, a housewife in the suburbs to appear. Yeah. And I had jumped off the cliff of social norms of housewife in the suburbs. And then on top of that, I would go to these, you know, hair salons and they would give me this whacked out cut. I just decided to start going to a barbershop. Now take me and put me in a barbershop in the suburbs where all the men are getting their hair cut. And now I'm getting my hair cut at a barbershop. The angst of sitting in that barbershop to get my hair literally with clippers buzzed on the sides brought me so outside of my comfort zone. Even thinking about it right now brings up a reaction. And all it is, is a building where men primarily get their hair cut, but it is creating such a response, visceral response inside of me, emotional response inside of me to step outside of what I am supposed to be and do and look like and the places I'm supposed to go to get my hair cut. Just because I'm going to a different building, think about that, how much that box, how what a stronghold that has on each of us. There's this gal on TikTok and she's, I think she's a prosecutor. Pretty sure she's a prosecutor. She could be a defense attorney, but I'm not sure. But she's like, she's got to be a head prosecutor because I remember that in my mind she was in charge. And she literally wears latex to, to court. Latex skirts, like bustier, you know, bras underneath with the latex sport coat and like skull and crossbone chokers, black hair. Black. She's a freaking like county prosecutor. And even watching her talk about her court cases and talk about her this and that in the legal system, my brain, so this is a, so I'm a person who's very outside of the box and even watching her, I am judging going, I don't think that's appropriate for court. Think how (laughs) stupid, but so, you know what I mean? So like, even as open-minded as I am, I still get angst thinking about walking into a barbershop, getting my head shaved by a barber even watching a woman on a video wearing latex and she's talking about going to court today in front of a judge and she's got like skulls on her necklace and wearing latex and leather and i'm like she's dressed inappropriately so like it still lives in me just like every other judgment and stuff like that but i mean it's ingrained in us and it's interesting too because i i've heard The reason, so if you think about it, like where does this come from, right? So they say that the reason that 
we are so hardwired as humans to not want to be ousted, right? Like not want to be rejected is because we've had to literally live. We had to literally live in community with each other, mm-hmm. you know, going back generations and generations and generations. If you were ostracized, you were, and I, we might've already had this conversation, but you know, if you were ostracized, you were literally dead. Like you could not survive by yourself without your tribe. So we are so hardwired to the point where our reptilian brain thinks that we are going to actually die, like actually die if somebody rejects us. And I mean, I think everyone can relate to that. The feeling of rejection is a horrible feeling and we're hardwired to not want to feel it, which makes us want to conform. And now that we're in a space where it's no longer necessary to do that, from a survival standpoint, that still lives in us. Like that is still part of our brain. So I, I just, you know, to think about it from that perspective, like having those feelings of rejection and how, like, I'm like sweating, even like thinking about it, like, it makes you so nervous to think easy. about being fully rejected by, by your people, right? Like it's a horrible, lonely, terrible feeling. Like you, it's scary. And we watch so- that in middle school. I mean, that is yeah. like, we really see, like, if you go sit in front of a middle school or high school and the kids come out at the end of the day, out the doors, they literally all look like clones. They all have the white high, you know, above the ankle Nike socks, white gym shoes, Lululemon or sweatpants or what? Like, they literally all look like they're coming out of some sort of camp where they have to dress a certain way. Because they are all, and like the other day, Emerson was graduating and I'm like, here's some necklaces to look at. And there's this really cute one. It said like L-O-V-E with like the little beads in between, like just a cheapie, but it was cute. And she's like, um, do you have anything that's just like gold? I'm like, you mean like everyone else is going to wear? She's like, yes, like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like she just, she's like, I just want to blend mom. I want to look nice and blend. Yeah. Like, like there's degrees of stepping outside but it is only a very small degree. If you think about, like, I remember some conversations that you and I had of what it feels like to to do that thing and step outside, right? And the conversations of, well, like, are people going to judge me? And I'm like, yeah, but what if you're the inspiration and everyone is just sitting there with bated breath to do the exact same thing you're doing? And then you step outside the box and everyone goes, oh, thank God. Thank God she's doing the thing. Creating a new normal or blazing a path. And that also makes me think, right? So especially with with women, I think we typically tend to look at someone and say, oh my God, look at her, look what she's doing. And we have this feeling of resentment or... Uh, yeah, like resentment, I guess. And then I think you sent it to me or someone sent it to me that resentment actually lives in the jealousy category. So you're pushing someone away, you're excluding them in some way, being negative towards them because you really want to be able to do what they're doing deep down. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so interesting because it's like, we don't want to be rejected. Like the person that's in that space, we don't want to be rejected for being outside of the box. But in, in doing that, we get rejected to a certain level, but at the same time, like what you're saying is like that person that's looking at you really actually does want to be able to do what you're doing, but they're too fucking scared to be able to do what you're doing. Well, it makes me think of like the dance floor, right? 
And so you're, 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 you and your girlfriends are in a corner, maybe drinking your champagne or whatever. And then there's this like one rogue girl from another group that goes out on the dance floor and just starts flailing about and just dancing to the music. And then you and your little bitchy girlfriends are like, oh my God, like, look at her flail. Like, she looks like an idiot. Like, who would wear that? Like, oh my God. Like, you know, like, and you just start your like bitchy judgment type thing. All the while, every freaking one of you are like, that looks kind of fun. I, like, wish, I wish we were out there. Like it'd be way better yeah. than standing here judging and drinking champagne and or whatever. Like that looks really fun. But then once you guys have all agreed that that individual dancing is an idiot, who the That's hell is going to leave that group and also then go dance? So that judgment in that moment is not only resentment and jealousy, right? It's also showing insecurity, but it's also maintaining control over the group. Mm, Because if we judge her and everyone in the group listens, who's going to jump outside of that box knowing full well that, that you're next on the shooting range? Think about that. So inside of this little moment of micro macro, right? If we all listen in a group that people that step outside the norm are idiots and look stupid and we don't want to hang out with them and they're not cool and aren't we so much cooler, right? So think of that in any scenario. We are the norm. We are good. That person stepping outside of the box is bad. Mm -hmm. Okay. The information shared in that group is infiltrated into everyone's head that if I also step outside the box, I will be judged and ostracized. So it maintains control amongst the group to judge anyone that steps outside of the box at any time. Right. So even in this, like this, this vision of these, this girl dancing, but if a group of women are told, like, if you work outside of the home, you're not a good mother. So then any women that want to work outside the home who also happen to have children already have the programming that working outside of the home is being a bad mother. Yeah. Right. Such a good example. So we can micro and macro that all day long. If you wear latex to work, you are like, and it goes like, if you wear short shorts, if you show your breasts, if you cut your hair short you are against the norm. We are going to judge you and talk about you on social media, on TV, whatever the thing is, in whatever setting. And so we recognize by way of that programming, by way of that conversation, that stepping outside of the box is dangerous and you will end up alone. Yeah. So don't do it. Don't do it. I wonder why we're, I feel like this is such a call right now. I wonder like if you're able to like check in on that. Why is this such a call right now for us to dismantle all of that? Because I feel really much, I I really feel like that's like the yarn is unraveling, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, and you just look back, if you look back at the speed in which this has happened, if you kind of like widen the, the lens of history and look back, like it's, it's happening faster and faster and faster. And we're finding out about it by way of social media, right? Like it's, we have that constant information influx of what others are doing that we would have never known even three years ago, you know, five years ago. 
what they keep bringing me back to throughout our conversation is Joan of Arc. Badass. Sorry. I mean, (laughs) I like just think. But when I look at Joan of Arc, what they just showed me when you said, I'd like you to check in on this. When I look at her, they're like, that's the end all be all stepping away from all norms of the three dimensional human construct of living inside of the quote matrix, if you will, where she had completely and wholly stepped out of any rules, any belief systems, any uh, preconceived notions. She had completely stepped outside of the belief that any of this shit matters. Like she had stepped into her spiritual self 100,000% and owned it. And so like when I'm looking at those moments of, you know, anything from me getting my, um, you know, mohawk haircut to like, I have a tattoo on my hand and down my spine. Like those are like little tiny toe-ins. Like, do you believe the bullshit? No, Mm -hmm. I don't. Do you believe? And then like, I was driving with my girlfriend the other day and I'm like, I'm so obsessed with my hand, like my love tattoo on my hand. And she's like, it's really cute for you. And I, and I get what she's saying. That's not for me, i.e. her. But then I like, you feel yourself then teeter, like, did I make a mistake? Is it too Mm -hmm. much? And then you're like, fuck that shit. Like I I'm obsessed with it. Like, I love it. I'm not going to believe the bullshit. So like, as we're stepping into this, I believe that it's almost as if the universe at this time is challenging each and every one of us in that do you believe in man-made shit or do you believe in spirit and yourself and your soul and your expansiveness, your creatorness? What are you going to pick? I think it's the Jewish religion that says if you get a tattoo, you can't um, be buried in a Jewish cemetery, right? I have three tattoos on my body that are there at this moment that are because I had radiation. They have to tattoo you in like three or four spots, which the other day Jim saw it. He goes, oh my God, I think your tattoo artist made a mistake because there's like this weird dot over here next to your back tattoo. And I was like, that's from radiation, you whack job. He's like, oh, I thought she just like dabbed you by accident. (laughs) (laughs) Little dab. I'm like, little dab would do you right in the back. Just Just a little period in the middle of your back. But I mean, like, think of all, like, how deep, and I'm thinking about you right now, Alison McGuire, how deep are you going to believe the bullshit that keeps you stuck inside of rules that are not real, that are keeping you inside of a box, inside of fear, inside of lack, inside of lack of expression, lack of awakening, lack of fully loving yourself and all that you're capable of, because you're sitting inside of a space of fear that is based on absolutely nothing that has to do with you. I mean, I mean, we need that on record to listen to every morning before I walk out the door. I mean, I, I think we need a whole product line of just Joan of Arc. That's yeah. how that's how focused <laughs> this is right now. When you say Joan of Arc and when you were talking about it, I mean, I was literally getting like full body chills. I don't know why, but even like, I don't, I am not even like, I can't even tell you that I know her whole story, but that her persona, the energy of her persona is so powerful. So powerful. It's so powerful. It's like, 
it's this big F you to everything. You will not define me. Society will not define me. My breasts and my vagina will not define me. Fear will not define me. Death will not define me. None of it. None of it. And guess what? When she incorporated that wholly, because when I look at her energy, it wasn't even courageous. It was a stepping into existence. Mm-hmm. It was stepping into self that had always been there. Pay attention to that. She stepped into the self that had always been there, but she decided to fully step Bye. in and own it. So the you that is in existence already that is outside of the norms and rules that are in existence, that you already exists, Allison. And so it's waiting for you, right? That you is waiting for you to decide, am I courageous? Am I willing to have fun? Am I willing to let go? Am I willing to stop looking at this dimensional 3D reality around me that I'm using to define something that isn't true, right? And so when I look at the Joan of Arc energy, it's like she stepped into her God power in those these moments that we can envision in our head of who Joan of Arc is. It was a huge fuck you to all the laws, all the rules, all the norms. It was a fuck you to the belief systems and allowing anything to define her. Anything. I think the nuance here too that I keep thinking about is the difference between doing something to be rebellious because you are angry and it's not necessarily in full alignment with yourself versus tapping it. And sometimes I think that has to be the first step just because it's like easier to do that than to do it from a place of like peace and like, Hey, this is just like actually who I am. And I'm going to love and own this space and just be me versus like, I'm going to go to work today and I'm going to wear like a a crazy purple skin suit, right? Like whatever, some wild thing that maybe I don't really want to wear, but I'm doing it as um, a rebellion, that versus saying like, okay, checking in with myself and saying, well, what do I actually, what would it make me feel at my best today? What would mm-hmm. make me feel my most authentic, best, highest, most expression of me and choosing that, right? So like, I think that those two pieces can get a little bit muddled when you're on this journey. I can say that from personal experience. And I've noticed the difference between the rebellion and then the falling back into like the comfort zone of like, this feels like me, this feels authentic, this feels real, this feels like I'm not doing this against someone else, but I'm doing it for me. Yeah. It's like when I'm looking at it, it's like, there's like, when you're in the versus mentality, there's like static and gravel. It's like, like, I'm just standing here. Which could be the the like kind of like a catalyst, I think. Yeah, like a little catalyst, like a little toe in. Like I'm going to do this. Screw them, right? Like I'm going to do this because you might need that fire to yes. step out of the box. You might need a little like screw you, worker friends. 
you know, like screw an you. Push. Yeah. Like suburban housewives that are going to judge me. Like you might have to amp yourself up and that might feel like rebellion. But to me, it's the whisper that calls that's on the other side of that rebellion that you're getting to. Yeah. Right. It's the I'm going over there. And also, P.S., these things that we're talking about are not harmful. These are not based in, well, screw you, I'm going to drink three bottles of wine a night, or I'm going to do drugs, or I'm going to drive fast, or whatever. They're not based inside of, like, dangerous behaviors. There's, there's, they're based inside of stepping into your yourself, because that's different. And, and it might feel like rebellion, because you are rebelling against the norm. You're the idiot out there dancing. So right. you might feel like, screw you little click over in the corner drinking champagne. I'm going to dance in spite of you. So there's going to be a versus that happens at the maybe initial. But then like once it's there, then you can feel like, okay, no, I was getting to this place. I had to go over that hump and break out of what I've always shown up as. Like I remember when I, the first, like I said, the couple of times I showed up with my, my Mohawk, which is, you know, it's a it's a moment, right, in, in suburbia. And my girlfriend called it the haircut heard around the world. Like, that's how out of the box I stepped, right? And so, you know, there is a part of it that has to versus societal norms. But you need to make sure that it's in line with your spirit and where you want to head or how it's going to, like, bloom, Right. How is this blooming inside of me? Why is this blooming? Like, what is it that I truly want? And I I just find it fascinating when you when we are sitting here today, pushing against all of these things and playing with it. How much there is a possibility of expansion and freedom and awareness and loving yourself. Cause I do think that not stepping into the dance floor creates self-hatred and mm-hmm. low self-esteem and depression and anxiety, because you might be the person that's sitting with those girls going, yeah, she's an asshole. And all the while you're like, God, I wish I could go dance with her. And that's going to create, you know, depression and anxiety and sadness and you're going to get home and you just stood there all night and then you lay in bed and you're like, I would have given anything to go dance. Like think about the ramifications of not following what you want based on society or your group or your, you know, your neighborhood or being a woman or being a man or whatever it is. Think about how many of you, how many of us that are here during this podcast how often we don't go dance. Yeah, that's a great point. The I heard someone say once the power of not making choices is so much heavier and long lasting than the choices you do make because I think we're programmed to make to be afraid to do the thing, not to be afraid to not do it. But what you're saying is if what about the not doing? What about the not following? Where does that lead you? Where does that take you? And I think that's a concept worth really thinking about and really diving deep on. Yeah, I think we should talk about maybe like next week, let's talk about stuff like, I call it my Lady Gaga, right? Like everyone told her not to wear the meat suit and she wore the meat suit and it like exploded her career. She was on the floor at 
doing the dance. Like she was dancing. And I, I love that visual because I know all of us have been in that moment of being the, you know, too cool for school and standing in the corner and not dancing. And I think that actually dancing has been a very reoccurring theme since I've discovered my mediumship that like, you know, dead, dead people show up all the time and say, just dance. So I think there's something to that idea of like, just go dance, say yes, go do the thing, whatever the thing is, at least you won't die going, God, I really wish I would have danced. I wish I would have started the business. I wish I would have skydived or whatever that thing that's calling you, but you look at your friends and they're like, oh my God, that sounds stone bad. Like that's not a way to live. Yeah. I think we should touch, touch on this again next week. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Let's do it. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being here again with my, my partner in crime, Allison McGuire, bringing all the hot topics and we will see you here again next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillits.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.